Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Uh, safety. This is also from 
know budgets are about choices, and the choices uh, DRMC, excuse me, made and continues to make, despite our warnings, uh, put our security at risk and made our prisoners more violent and dangerous places to work, our prisons more violent and dangerous places to work, said OCSEA President, President Christopher uh, Mobby. And this is, uh, you know, I realize that a lot of the federal prisons and state prisons are operated by uh, state workers, or, you know, union, union uh, yeah. ASME workers, and represented by the ASME union. But chanting safe prisons now and no more cuts, members of Ohio Civil Service Employees Association, uh, ASME Local 11, took the street to the streets October 6th to shed light on the dangers of understaffing and outsourcing including security breaches, maggots found in food preparation, and areas operated by the contractor, and even prison escapes. The employees of the Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Correction, represented by OCSEA, uh, uh, picketed outside the department's Columbus office to deliver a message. Uh, inadequate staffing and outsourcing to a for-profit food vendor uh, Aramac placed workers and the community at risk. Despite having a uh, record number of inmates, more than 50,600 in a system built for 38,500, the DRNC in recent years shed 400 correction officers' posts, ordered the closure of housing units, and contracted with food services vendor uh, Aramac, whose practices led to maggot infestation. Mm. Uh, in, the, in April, the state fined Aramac 272000 for fall, failing to meet the staffing requirements, among other violations. We know budgets are about choices and the choices DR and C made and continues to make despite our warnings. Put our security at risk, made our prisons more violent and dangerous places to work, said OC President Christopher Maybe, also an ASPE International Vice President. We need more security staff, an end to the food service contract, and an opportunity to be real partners with the DRNC in keeping our prisons safe. Taxpayers want to know where their money's going, said OCA Corrections Assembly President Jim Atkins. Well, here's where it's going. Instead of investing in frontline security staff, they're giving wardens an average 20% raise added unit managers and lieutenants and created an entire new structure of regional managers we've never had before. DRNC officials turned their backs on Ohioans by ignoring the problems of security and making out multiple security breaches to be no and making out multiple security breaches to be no big deal, said maybe. But it's a big deal when you find multiple maggot infestations or in Aramark employees are walked out of the prison in less than a year's time. And it's a big deal when a murderer is housed in a minimum security prison and escapes. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the kind of stuff you're seeing here. Uh, and that's how they... And thankfully, uh, these union people are standing up for their rights and standing up for uh, for the state, for quite a lot. And I mean. for the nearby community. And for the community, exactly. I mean, it, it's really sick, guys. I mean, it is pretty darn sick. Uh, uh, I mean, so how about this? In Stockton, California, investment house Franklin Templeton inviscerates pensions. In the Los Angeles Times, Michael Hilsick lays out a tale of how investment house Franklin Templeton Investments is attempting to gut the pensions of 2,400 retirees from the city of Stockton. The city has been involved in bankruptcy proceedings recently and Franklin Templeton is trying to further cut pensions that have already faced cuts in recent years. After a judge ruled that the pension contract could be adjusted as part of the bankruptcy proceedings, I don't think that's right, Franklin Templeton suggested that the city not pay the $1.6 billion termination fee to CalPERS, the state retirement system, which would then pass those cuts along to retirees, cutting their retirement income. The $1.6 billion fee normally would be required to cover the termination of the pension contract, Hiltzik says, in order to cover those existing pension obligations. Franklin Templeton's real take on the situation 
is given away by its claim that the crisis was brought about by years of pension spiking, unfunded promises of lavish benefits. But as Hiltzik notes, the company provided no evidence the company provided no evidence in court that the pension spiking took place or that it affected the Stockton bankruptcy. And the so-called lavish pensions that need to be cut amount to 24000 on an average. If Franklin Templeton's plan goes through, retirees who did not earn Social Security benefits while they worked for Stockton will be forced to survive on $9,600 a year. The city says that it would be devastated by a flow of current employees leaving if they know their pensions are going to be cut at that level. The rest of Franklin Templeton's plan and claims about the situation also fall flat, as Sosek explains. Franklin's complaint that it's being uniquely disadvantaged in the bankruptcy reorganization falls apart when one examines what Stockton's employees and retirees have already sacrificed. Among other cuts, city employees were hit with involuntary furloughs in the years 2008 through 12, gave up cost of living increases for several years, and began paying a retirement contribution of up to 9% in 2011. New employees already received sharply reduced benefits. The biggest hit involved retiree health benefits, which were negotiated in past years as an alternative to wage increases. Eventually, the city's actuarial exposure to health claims by 1,100 retirees reached $545 million. As part of a bankruptcy settlement with retirees that was reduced to $5.1 million, the same 1% payoff Franklin is grousing about and lifetime health benefits were eliminated. The $5.1 million is to be paid out in lump sums ranging from $460 to $14,000. As the retiree committee observes, the one-time payments are not enough to cover even one year of premiums for replacement health insurance, and for many, without providing any coverage for dependents who are covered by the city's plan. Uh, and they don't get Social Security? No. Oh, boy. Yeah, so I mean, it's really sick out there with people, what they're trying to do. And here we got, uh, before we go to uh, our guest, uh, this is just something that came up that the Pentagon just announced that it will blow $1.5 trillion on the F-35 fighter jet. All right. For what? What do we that's, need another jet for? That's enough to pay for 273 million Pell Grants for students, 721 billion healthy school lunches, 101,000 new elementary schools, 5.7 billion monthly Obamacare premium subsidies, or 150 million hospital stays. What do you think of that? Yeah, I don't think we should be building more fighter planes. For a fighter plane. I mean, that's insanity. Why do we need that? And the F-35, they don't even need. They really don't even need it. They've even said they don't need it. All right, so anyway, uh, we're going to go to, um, uh, do you see lying in the public about a bone about this? Well, let me read about it. Oh, do you have to call Larry? Larry. While you're calling Larry, I'll read a little more about pensions. Oh, it's a second Oh, okay. Okay. And this is Larry Dorman, the Public Affairs Coordinator. For AFNI Council 4 in, out of New Britain, Connecticut. And he's our regular monthly. He's talking. See if he's there. Hello. Hey guys, how you doing? Uh, we're well. It hey. was a beautiful fall day today in Connecticut. I could sure the heck was. Yep. Hey, thanks for being on with us tonight. I appreciate it. Um, ah, my pleasure. Uh, I'll tell you, I've been getting, I've been getting kind of antsy watching these this, this uh, Connecticut governor debate. Uh, <laughs> you watch any of those? Yeah, yeah, I've been following them. I think the governor's doing a pretty good job, by and large. So, too. 
I love the first debate where he came out really hard and aggressive. I know he was criticized yes. for that. He softened, he softened up in the last two, but my first one was the my favorite. You know, yep. Oh, definitely. He was I, he was the most aggressive, I thought, in that first one. And uh, Foley went whining all the way the, all the way through the debate. No, you're being so mean to me. <laughs> yeah, and he's you know, and he's ducked a few debates. I mean, Malloy wanted to have more than they've uh, scheduled, and Foley just uh, you know doesn't clearly doesn't enjoy it. So I didn't realize that he had ducked a few. I didn't either. Yeah. Uh, what one thing yeah, that. I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. One thing that I that, that bothers me a lot because I, I in 210 I saw this, I saw him do it, and I really questioned whether or not that was and uh, full uh, not full of you, Malloy. Malloy uh, where I see his downfall really is that he did raise taxes substantially, you know, after he said he would, and that and that that kind of surprised me. Plus, you you saw what he did. You know, to, with all the uh, uh, with all the cuts, you know, all the cuts, he heard a lot of uh, nonprofits and a lot of uh, uh, a lot of people in the state. So, uh, what, what was your what, what's your take on that, Larry? And what do you think as compared to what? I mean, we know what Foley's going to do, but right. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, people focus. I mean, look, Malloy did Malloy raise taxes? Yes. Um, I mean, that was part of the tough. Uh, decisions. Uh, that was one of the tough decisions he had to make, and um, he did ask. Uh, you know, the tax rates did go up on um, wealthier people. Uh, it was not, didn't fall entirely on the, on the backs of the middle class as it usually does when um, I think Republican governors are in, in power. So, or you know, benefit the rich at the expense of the middle class and and, and the poor, and. You know, for all the talk about cuts, you know, one of the things that we're telling our members uh, on the state and municipal side, and, you know, this is borne out by fact and uh, all kinds of uh, sources out there, Malloy put uh, $255 million beyond what was contractually required into the state pension fund to, um, to ease the liability, to pay down on that liability that really jumped uh, during the Roland and Rail administrations, and you know that's not just going to secure retirement benefits for state workers. It makes it's going to be uh, helpful to taxpayers to not have some kind of uh, explosion in, in pension fund liability. So he put over 250 million beyond what he had to, and he increased uh, uh, state grants uh, and aid to cities and towns. Um, I believe uh, to the tune of a billion and a half dollars. So that prevented layoffs and service cuts uh, at the municipal level. Things would be far uh, worse if he hadn't done that. And, you know, you go to New Jersey and where Chris Christie's been coming to Connecticut to hump for Foley, and Chris Christie has starved the cities and towns, and uh, it's causing quite a bit of difficulty there. So I think people need to focus on some of the good things this governor's done, and um, those are two important things that are going to be beneficial to, to everyone. Isn't it frightening, though, to see Chris Christie coming up to, uh, you know? Yeah, in a helicopter. My God, I mean, how? I, I can't even think of a worse candidate to invite to bolster my, you know, my campaign. I, I don't know. Maybe, right. maybe I agree with you. That. I mean, it kind of makes me feel good that if that's the best he can do, um, yeah. it's Chris. He's uh, and, and look, Christie's got his own aspirations, so he'll go campaign for anybody if it gets him uh, media attention and uh, validation as a presidential candidate. But if, if that's the best vote he's got, I, I think we're always in better shape than we realize. I also think that we need to remember that Malloy inherited years of Republican administrations where really nothing was done. I mean, right. the state was like for example, the pension liability um, increased because you know the state wasn't making uh, payments uh, into the pension fund. That, you know that was largely under Roland and Rell. So. And, and I thought thing. that was unconscionable that they ran the state that way. And I think the other Terrible. thing, too, is the, is the infrastructure, and I think he's addressing that. I but, mean, you uh, can't do but, it all at once. 
between yeah. the nightmare with, Me- with Metro North and the nightmares with the uh, with, with the CLMP. Now, Kate, can you explain to me? Maybe you've heard more, but I I haven't heard him come out against, uh, against the rating this rate, rate increase. Though Blumenthal has and run Blumenthal it, is very but, strongly but, but against that's that. Not, that's not full, uh, Malloy. Uh, have you heard? Yeah, him I haven't. I haven't heard him. I haven't heard him weigh in one way or another. And if he would if come you. out, I, I think that would be a big, big help to him. But I wonder if CLMP has made some major contribution to his campaign. It's probably both sides. That's why he hasn't, he hasn't said anything. It hasn't become a campaign issue. That's for sure. Neither well, one. Well, Foley has made it that because Foley is saying that uh, you know he's raised a uh, uh, um, uh, 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 utility bill. By adding extra fees. And he did mention that, but he didn't really mention a, the no, other. He's making that a, a campaign yeah. issue. That's uh, recently. Yeah. So but I, again, I, I take it back to Roland, who deregulated um, the industry, and, and you know that has been nothing but a, a disaster for consumers and a boon um, to the utility companies. And, and Roland pretty much just let them write the legislation. So, you know, again, when Lila talks about what Malloy inherited, and, and yes, you know, Malloy does get uh, support from the uh, utility companies. You know, he's far from you know, we've we've never said he's perfect. Yeah, that's for sure. But I do like several things that he did do. I like the fact that after that horrible storm, he did stand up to uh, the utility company. He did force them to do something, uh, uh, clean up their act a little bit and be more responsible. I mean, he was very strong that way. I have to say that every time there has been a disaster, he has come out as a leader. And I do admire mm-hmm. that in him. He, I do, he, too. I do, too. I can't, I can't be fully doing that. Yeah. In a crisis, he takes the right approach, I think. He gathers all of the mm-hmm. people together. He carefully crafts and thinks about what he's going to say, weighs everything, and then seems yeah. to be able to come up with the right thing. I like how he's acting. Yeah, you, you like him, but I, I, I do got, like I've him. I've got problems with the guy, but, I, but believe me, next to Foley, uh, he's a prince. <laughs> so, uh, I, yeah, I mean, you know, Foley is like Darth Vader with money. You know, I mean, he just, uh, you know, he's rich. He's he's absolutely uh, disengaged from what it's like to have to earn a real living. Um, you know, silver spoon all the way. So, um, you know, Moy is a lot better. And I thought, you know, he, he didn't do it for any kind of political to, you know, exploit political capital. You know, Malloy was really a leader in Newtown. Um, you know, he had to tell those parents that their children died. Um, you know, he saw he was inside the, the school. He was inside Sandy Hook. And he just showed real leadership. And, and whether you agree with the gun laws or not, it's, um, you know, he shepherded that legislation through in response. He felt that that was necessary. So I thought that spoke volumes about him. Uh, you know, again, what I was talking about in terms of his sort of inherent leadership ability. Um, and he was like that as the mayor of Stanford. You know, he had a vision. He pursued it. Stanford became a, a much more livable city um, when he was mayor. And a lot of development went on. Um, city workers were treated pretty fairly. So, you know, um, I, I, I do agree with you. I just think he has some leadership abilities that Foley clearly doesn't have. That in Foley. What? But what scares, what scares me about Foley is the first thing he comes out with is, I'm going to, I'm going to cut your taxes, and I'm thinking, how the heck is he going to run a state with no money? Yeah. You know, but you know, people hear that, and they're because times are tough for a lot of people. That's very attractive. I was wondering, have you uh, kept in touch with the polls? What's happening there? What are people thinking? Well, the polls, you know, are are improving for Malloy. I mean, he's gone from being eight or nine points down to, um, you know, by all accounts, dead even, or um, one poll uh, by a a progressive pollster, though, but a a pollster that's thought of highly in terms of its um, general uh, approach and accuracy. That poll has him up like 8%. So basically, you know, it's dead even. Regardless of the fact that Vince Conti is in the race, uh, that those voters are kind of 
split either um, uh, in either direction anyway. So, you know, I think that is to the governor's advantage heading into the final um, month of the campaign. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't know that people are, I just don't, you know, when I talk to our members, you know, a lot of whom is, uh, have different kinds of concerns, you know, um, above and beyond protecting their collective bargaining rights. But, um, you know, I, I think that I don't think fully resonates and I don't think fully comes across as, uh, you know, at all sincerely. Um, certainly not to our members who he's tried to say, uh, he's tried to tell them he won't do anything, he's going to honor the uh, agreement and this and that. And, uh, you know, Foley just doesn't have any credibility. And he doesn't have much of a plan because his economic plan and his urban revitalization and education plan, just that according to the stories in the current and elsewhere, have been cribbed from, you know, conservative websites. You know, he, he doesn't have a whole, he doesn't do a whole lot of original thinking. No. Listen, I want to so ask I think you. I think one of the comedy sketches of the uh, of the um, of, of this election is uh, Greenberg and Espy. That, this this Greenberg is some some kind of strange strange character, isn't he? And I, I don't you know. Think I, I don't I remember. He does feel like kind of a whack job. Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, at the reason what made me laugh is well. Yeah, you know, he came out with all this. It was so easy to to, to kick around because hey, well, you know, Social Security is is is, is a failure, and it's, you know, you're on the dole. You're on the dole. But you know, all these ads are funny. But the re- most recent one I saw was yesterday, uh, or this morning, or yesterday. It was this morning. He had his father on. <laughs> early this morning. Yeah. Trying to reclaim yeah, himself there. Yeah, he had his he had his father on with him, and and uh, he said, uh, you know. All these, all these attacks against me about senior, about uh, social, security. social security. He says I have my father with me here, and he's collecting social security. And, and you know, and, and the other, and the father looked like he like he slapped the kid around, like he slapped <laughs> yeah. the daughter yeah. because he was standing there like, uh, my son believes in social security. <laughs> You're going to go to the nursing home if you don't do the commercial for me? Right, right, right. 
Right. You know, that's like Ava Brown telling you Hitler was a good guy. That, I, I thought to myself that's all he could find. That was the only one he could that get. To, right. Uh, that's why I'm saying it really, you know, all kidding aside, it's usually, uh, it's not a good sign when you have to pull out the, when you have to try to pull out those ads because I don't know that they persuade a lot of uh, of, of those undecideds and um, non-committed and independent voters in the end. So, um, you know, it's going to be a ground game, and it is a low, you know, it's interesting you guys bring up something too, though, it's, you know, it's you know talking about Greenberg, and you know, I what I see is sort of a, a lack of enthusiasm overall. And you know, it, it's not a presidential election year; it's not even a U.S. Senate year for us in Connecticut. So, um, the only race that kind of matters to people is the gubernatorial one, and it's not you know a particularly pleasant one to watch. So, uh, you know, there's not a lot of pizzazz because you don't have uh, high-profile people at the front of the ticket. I think it's a really important one, though. Um, absolutely, absolutely. It's really important that people get out there and vote in this one because it could tra- change people's lives dramatically if the wrong person gets into office. Yep. I mean, we've been telling our members that, you know, um, the typical worker in Wisconsin lost at least $3,600 a year because of Act 10, which uh, pretty much repealed nearly all or ended uh collective bargaining rights for uh, state and municipal workers. So um, it's something we take very seriously, and it really motivates us, and it's a a message that plays, uh, that that works with our members. That's what I would really be afraid of. I'd be afraid of things like that. And also I would be very concerned that with cutting all the taxes, he would throw all the burden on the towns, and the towns already have a big burden. You that's know. exactly right, and that's why I say Malloy at least has been providing money, in, in many cases, you know, increasing uh, aid to cities and towns. And you know, and there was an article in the Connecticut Mirror that you know he could pay a price for actually doing two really um, important uh, uh, promises that he made. You know, to, to try to fix the unfunded liability in the state pension system, and to make sure that cities and towns. Uh, got money so that they didn't have to cut services. And so to his credit, he did do things that conceivably uh, could be and have been used against him, but so far it's really not working. Larry, what what was the 3,600 jobs that were lost in August in Connecticut? Where was that? The most recent um, economic data in Connecticut? They said that he lost 36. Foley keeps mentioning... 
uh, for the Medicare expansion. People are signing up. The system is working. People who don't have health insurance or in danger of losing it are getting it on the uh, Connecticut exchange. And that's a very good story and I think one that needs to be told. What I wanted to ask you, well, what, what, what they said in the debate, the last debate, all right, which mm-hmm. was, uh, yeah, uh, was the... Um, that, that was the UConn debate a couple of weeks ago. Last week was the UConn debate, yeah. UConn, yeah. And uh, they were talking about, uh, Foley was telling them uh, you only, that uh, you, had, you, you only created, I don't know, 25,000 jobs or something in your, in your time. And he said, no, Malloy says, no, we created 60,000 jobs. And he says, this is from, you know, uh, and they said, and then Foley said, well, 25,000 of those jobs were created under Ralph. And he says, no, they weren't. He says they were created under us. And they went back and forth, but the Foley kept trying to de- 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 diminish that. But Malloy stood ground and said that he created 60,000 jobs since he's been in office. Uh, can you validate any of that kind of um, anything that they've said about that uh, either way? I really can't. Um, yeah, no, that's a fair question, and I, and, and I can't because um, I don't know what measuring sticks um, the governor is using to, to do that. Um, and he, he has kept companies like Pratt & Whitney, you know, here, uh, he certainly created jobs with uh, infrastructure projects like the New Britain to Hartford uh, busway. But do I can I can I enumerate how you got get to the sixty thousand? Absolutely not. What I you know again what we tell our members, Leo, is that um, put aside the rhetoric and um, the hot air that gets blown around by both candidates, and decide you know uh, don't vote for. Your, the governor, per se, vote for yourself, vote for your economic interests, vote for the candidate who's actually going to show some respect to middle-class workers. And um, for all of his flaws, that candidate clearly is the governor, as opposed to Foley, who uh, basically helped shut a plan down when the workers wanted a 50-cent raise, Mitt walked away with $40 million on the sale of the plant, and then was asked last month by the reporter, did he actually make that much? And he said, I'm not sure, I don't remember. Well, you know, I think that's the message. Yeah, you know, I think that's the message is that, you know, one candidate um, will defend uh, our right to bargain collectively and bargain for a better life and another candidate won't. And, you know, we're telling our members vote based on that and not who's, you know, going to cut taxes or who's created jobs because that's, you know, that's a lot of hot air that gets um, blown in both candidates' directions. Yeah, he doesn't even tell you where he's cutting taxes. He doesn't tell you how he's going to... He doesn't have a real plan that I can system. see. And, and a lot no, he doesn't. On all that. He says, you don't, you're going to cut that? Well, you don't even have a plan to do that. What is your plan, Tom? What's your plan? And uh, he said, well, I got a plan. Uh, look on my website. Look on my website. It's somewhere. Uh, but, you know, nobody... He doesn't really. And then uh, he's supposedly benefiting the school systems. Well, why did... Why did all of the all of the uh, uh, education education unions. unions and everybody uh, all sign with also all endorse Malloy? Okay, because um, because uh, this other guy wants to close public schools and put everybody in a magnet school. It looks like you know, or, or everybody gets a voucher, you know, program. So it's like uh, well, you know, it's it's the it's it's just it's just an absurd. Um, Republican well, concept. It's not a, it's, he doesn't have anything that he's thought out. Yeah, he's yeah, he's just adopted conservative yeah. Republic, Republican principles, as far as I can see. Wouldn't you say right. so? He, exactly right. I mean, he's just been cribbing material from websites and then um, trying to take credit for them being original ideas when it comes to his economic plan. You know, and in, in some respects, you look at all this and you say, why isn't Malloy, you know, ahead in the polls? Because Foley is just so out of it and out of the mainstream. I don't understand that. I, I don't understand what this guy's appeal is that people would even think of supporting him. I don't know where they do these polls. I mean, are there more, are there more right-wing, well, we ran into this, we've run into this over a lot of years, that there are some serious, crazy right-wing lunatics in this state. And a lot of them came after us over the years, but but it's like 
couldn't believe how how many people are so um, well the gun rights people are crazy, but the but the anti Obama abortion this and that or health care or gay rights or all, all this, I mean it's a really really uh, large uh, portion of people in this state that are very, very conservative Republican kind of people, and those are the right. people that.
Yeah, you know, and he's, he's you know he's you know he's like a pathologically sick, uh, self-absorbed person, and he's just the uh, you know Colin McEnroe calls him the you know Connecticut's Prince of Darkness, so uh, I love that phrase. Ned, Ned Cole. Exactly. 
Exactly. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, we're 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 concerned about the apathy, and we we hope that. Uh, mm. We are too. We're trying at least with our members. We're cutting through it. But, uh, it's definitely a struggle uh, to keep the electorate as a whole interested and, and engaged. Yeah. Well. If there's anything you can leave us with tonight, what 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 what's your message? Uh, my message is vote. Do the right vote. thing. Vote. And then when you're done voting, hold the bastards accountable. Yes. And vote, vote for Malloy if, you, if you're voting in Connecticut. So, uh, yep. And, uh, and then uh, help us hold them all accountable. Yes, absolutely. I think I think sometimes we fail to do that. Yeah. You know, it's, it doesn't yep. end with going to the polls. We have to really, uh, you're right, 100%. And that's something we should talk more about, what that means and how we do that. Sounds good. Okay. I'm there. Talking to you again really soon. Thanks, Larry. uh, Good. Thanks for having me, guys. You have a good night. Thanks. You're welcome. All right. Take care. Thanks. That was Larry Dorman with the Aspen Union Council for Britain. And I think we got a um, kind of a a great... um, insight there into what's going on um, uh, locally and nationally. Uh, Larry's got his fingers on the pulse of Yeah, he's, of, he's, of, he's uh, really good. At, and I think he's right, though. People have to people have to get out and vote. You know, you can't just, um, it's not, as he said, an exciting election the way a presidential election is or a senatorial election, but the governor of your state, that's an important election for you if you Extremely live in that so. state. It was, you know, there was a there was an article that I saw recently, and I would tell you, I think it was today. Um, I'm looking at it today, uh, it was um, on actually on Yahoo News, and it said oh, really? twelve governors that are in trouble, and well, all of them were um, Democrats. No, Republicans. Oh, really? And Scott uh, Walker. Wa- Wa- yeah, Wa- um, Walker was one of them, and. Uh, Well, he did some horrible things, that guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he really did. But there's uh, 11, 11 governors that are in big trouble that I wanted to uh, talk about. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm to be curious to see who they are. Uh, 
Instead, he sees the governor's policy choices as a major factor in the way the campaigns are playing out today. The last four years have not been a very good time, he said, and employment has been high, and there's not a lot of increases in wage growth, plus there were a lot of budget cuts and some tax increases. Many of these governors inherited sizable budget deficits when they took office in 2011. Republicans cut spending, and many also cut taxes. Cuts in programs such as education were not popular. Democrats cut less in spending but pushed through higher taxes to balance their state budgets. Republicans had a very big year in 2010, particularly in the Midwest, and now paying the price for that success. They swept many of the big industrial states, flipping Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin from Democrat to Republican. Only Governor James Kasich is headed toward an easy re-election, and he's in Ohio, thanks to the implosion of his Democratic opponent. Wisconsin is a case study of a Republican governor who took over a nominally blue state and turned it into a cauldron of anger and resentment by taking on public employee unions without having properly prepared the public for what he planned to do. Walker is battle-tested, having survived a contentious recall election two years ago, but the state remains passionately divided over his leadership. As a result, he is now in a very competitive race against Democrat Mary Burke without both his governorship and his 2016 presidential aspirations at risk. In Michigan, Snyder billed himself as one tough nerd in his first campaign. He was a businessman who seemed to issue traditional politics, an upbeat politician who said he didn't want to make ideological waves like those in neighboring Wisconsin. Under his leadership, the economy has improved and the unemployment rate has dropped, but he cut taxes for businesses while raising them on pensioners. He also signed a right-to-work law that made him a target of the unions in his race against former Democratic Representative Mark Schoer. Pennsylvania's Cormitt may be the most endangered Republican governor, failing to make connection with his voters. He is currently running far behind his Democratic challenger, Tom Wolf, and isn't likely to survive. Outside the Midwest, Florida's Scott barely won in a good Republican year four years ago. As a businessman, he's not a naturally gifted politician. Now he's in a costly and nasty race against Charlie Crist, the former Republican governor who left his party when he was losing the GOP Senate primary in 2012 and became a Democrat. It's easy to understand why some Republican governors in blue or purple states have found themselves buffeted by a backlash against an agenda seen as more conservative than their state. Uh, Brown, uh, let it, me just go... Polio, I'm just coming down to that. Let's see if they say... Democrats are not immune from the backlash. In Connecticut, which President Obama carried by 17 points in 2012 and 22 points in 2008, Malloy won four years ago by fewer than 7,000 votes. Facing a huge budget deficit, he raised taxes. More than, like, more than half the likely voters in the state have an unfavorable view of him, according to a recent Quinnipiac poll. He's in a tough rematch against Republican businessman Tom Foley. I don't understand how people can even think that Foley could, could run anything. All he does is loot things, like yeah. loot businesses yeah. and just take it. Well, he'll dismantle the state. That's what he does. He'll dismantle the government. He'll dismantle the schools. He'll dismantle the pensions and suck as much money out of the state as he can and give it to his friends. That's what will happen. That's what he on does. That, on that note, folks, I think we'll leave you. And I want to thank Larry Dorman again for being with us and um, half the union. And um, I well, hope to uh, have you join me tomorrow night. So good night, everybody. Yeah, good night, folks. And, uh, so think about who you're going to vote for. Yeah. Good idea. And sometimes you can.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.